the thing that's the least unfair is the existing distribution of ETH, even though obviously that is also itself kind of very skewed and very unfair, but it, it's the least unfair thing that we have. And, and so controlling the supply so that this can be inflationary and, and letting the supply drip out over time, over, over you know a very long period of time so that people over time have an equal opportunity to access the project and then letting them sell by auction so that the least unfair distribution, which is the distribution of ETH, is, is the determinant of, of whether you can, can get into the project. That's 4156, a.k.a. at Punk4156 on Twitter. 4156's profile pick is a CryptoPunk, ape number 4156. He was early into punks, Beeple, and XCopy. Uh, he's really a fantastic collector and curator that spots these trends just very, very early. That would be reason enough to have him on the show. But in addition to all of this, he's now one of the co-creators of the Nouns Project, which creates one new generative NFT daily forever with no hard cap. The Nouns Project describes itself as, and this is a quote, an experimental attempt to improve the formation of on-chain avatar communities. While projects such as CryptoPunks have attempted to bootstrap digital community and identity, Nouns attempt to bootstrap identity, community, governance, and a treasury that can be used by the community for the creation of long-term value. Lots to get into here. But first, two quick asks. One, follow us on Twitter. We are at proof underscore XYZ. I'm going to be posting more content, new artists, things to follow under that account very soon. And number two, leave us a review. Head on over to proof.xyz slash reviews. All right, let's chat with 4156. So 4156, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me and GM. Yeah, GM. It is uh, my first, you're my first number guest, which is great. It's it's pretty crazy, this whole world, man. I got to tell you, like, I I never thought I'd be interviewing numbers. And we actually invested in a founder at True Ventures, venture capital from where I work at, in a in Shade. And his name is Shade. And it's apparently the shade from a tree. So I, I just, it is a, it is a very odd world out there right now. Interesting. So, so there, there, are, there are like traditional venture capital firms that are making venture investments in anonymous founders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're starting to back anonymous founders now, which is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's new for us, new territory, but you know, is I think COVID kind of accelerated all of this. Like that would have been something I think in a non COVID world, we, we typically would always, of course, always meet everyone in person. Like any founder, you're going to back, you're going to meet them in person to hang out and all that stuff. And COVID came along and all of a sudden we had to get comfortable with Zoom. And now we have to get comfortable with Zoom with video mode turned off. And uh, it's crazy, but uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's like, I, I love that people are somewhat uh, anonymous, especially in the crypto world. I mean, it is, it is a, it is a crazy world where bad things happen. So it's, it's good. But welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So 4156 is uh, obviously we should let people know that is the number of your ape, your CryptoPunk, correct? Yes, that's that's right. It's the punk ID. And you you just uh, decided to pick that because were you early in CryptoPunks? Was that something where you were minting in the in the very early innings of this or was it was later something you acquired? Yeah, so I, I claimed the punks on, on the first or second day when, when they came out. So I was early there, but I, I think it was one of those things that you do in crypto where you're like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool. This is novel. I'm, I'm just going to play around with this. And then after minting them, I, I, I didn't really give it much thought for another 
three years. Yeah, I, and, and, I, I'm and the same I, exact boat. I lost my keys actually. I had to find them. Thank God I found them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, I did the same thing where I had to, I had to go and like do this day long rescue from an old parody wallet. Yes, um, dude, mine was in parody too. And so yeah. the, 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 that mnemonic phrase does not translate to new wallets. It wasn't the standard, right? Is that the issue you had? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember exactly what I had to do, but it was very precarious. Like, yes. I, I think I was very, very close to losing them forever. Oh, dude. So this is the exact same thing I ran into. I was like, okay, this is not going to work. And Parity was dead. Like, there was no... And I found an old version of it, but it wouldn't work in Chrome. And then I was like, I don't know how I'm going to resurrect this thing. And I eventually I got it to work locally and I got to export the private key and then pulled them all in. But yeah, that was, uh, no one was thinking these things would ever be worth anything. But I, that just, just goes to show you that's the way that like, kind of all these investments typically work. It's like people don't even, they forget about them and then all of a sudden they're worth something. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually gotten in the habit since I got into crypto of, of e- even on old, old devices that I have where I'm almost sure there's nothing of value. I just don't sell or get rid of any computer anymore. I just keep it just, just in case because who knows. Um, yeah, that's also smart from a security standpoint. Just thinking about if anyone ever would ever go into your hard drive and try and recover anything, just making sure you <laughs> keep that stuff local for a while is good. I'm curious though, how did you first get started in in, in crypto? Like, what what brought you to this crazy world? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've I've been in the space since about 2013. I was working in the startup world, and and even before then, had been very interested in, in finance and, and learning to to speculate personally in, in traditional financial markets. So when I heard about Bitcoin, I thought, oh, this is like this really interesting synthesis of of both of my interests in finance and tech. I, I spent some time reading the Bitcoin white paper, and I, I think I had to read it a, a few times. But I remember having this very distinct moment where it clicked and I literally like stood up off of, off of my couch and I was like, Oh wow, this, this, this thing is going to change the world. Like this is crazy. Uh, and then proceeded to, to try to find a way to buy bitcoins because it, it wasn't easy back then. And then, and then of course, when, when the, the kind of first price bubble, I, I mean, I guess depending on how you want to think about bubbles, when the next price bubble happened, I decided I was going to leave, leave my job and, and just work full time in the crypto space and, and started experimenting and, and building things in the space. Very cool. And so are you active on the engineering side or would you consider yourself more of a product person? Like where do you fall? Yeah, I would say somewhere in the middle, probably a lot closer to, to product. My, my jobs in tech were always on the creative side of things. I, I taught myself to, to code like in Ruby and Rails and stuff, but I, I wasn't really that good. But good, good enough to make like a minimally functional product, make, make an MVP. And right. I think it's helpful to to have an understanding of how that stuff works behind the scenes. But definitely, when it comes to doing interesting stuff, it's yeah. I think I think at at, at some point, if you want to build really really interesting things, you you maybe you have to kind of move into the position of of being a bit more like a conductor of an orchestra or, or a director of a movie or whatever. Yeah, we're in the same boat. Like I studied engineering or computer science in school, and just you have to stay up with it. Otherwise, it just the syntax and everything just kills you. And you're like, okay, am I really going to spend an additional eight hours to get this off the ground? Or could I just like ping an engineering friend and get it done in a half hour? So I tend to like stay on more of the creative side as well, just because it's, 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 unless it's your full time job, I, I think that just coding is, uh, it's something that's qu- very quickly easy to fall behind, but it's nice to be able to read the code. It's nice to be able to look at solidity and uh, under- someone understand what's going on, right? Yeah, or, or even just have a deeper appreciation for the timelines or or the the, the problems that people encounter. That, that some things that kind of intuitively seem very difficult are actually not, and then some things that that intuitively seem easy are actually very difficult. I think it, it's helpful in working with teams to to try to build products when when you can kind of empathize with the with the developers. 
Yeah, that's a great, great point. So what brought you? I mean, obviously, early, early crypto punks. By the way, how many of those did you mint? Were you, did you go crazy or just do a few? No, I, I didn't go really crazy. I think it was six or seven. It's funny. A friend and I that evening were, were looking at this thing and we were like, Oh, should we, should we write a script and, and try to collect like a thousand of these? And then we we're like, nah. And we went to bed. <laughs> we're like, it's, it's too late at night. It's not worth it. But you know, of course it, it, it wasn't really this kind of binary question of could you get them then or, or could you not? Cause if you really understood the opportunity at that moment, you, you could have purchased them for the next two years or whatever for, for at, at, at kind of minimal cost. So yeah, I think there, there was, there was a long period of time when one could have kind of acquired a thesis about why these were historically important and why these were so interesting. Right. And for the most part, nobody did. And, and I didn't either. Yeah. I was in the same boat. I just sat on mine forever. And then it was at sometime late last year that it just kind of, I woke up. When did you, when did it all come together for you? There, there was this kind of lull period after 2016, 2017 and, and DeFi and then, and then coronavirus where I was, I was just kind of like wandering between things, not, not really sure what I was going to do. Got in, very into VR for a while. I did a lot of experimentation with 3D printing, had this crazy idea that I was, I was going to start a farm, like farming inside shipping containers, but, but like none of those things really felt, I guess, very deeply me. And, and I think a, a lot of startup startup ideas and, and good businesses and, and kind of good good fits for you lead to lead to good products and i i don't think none of those I, any of those things were necessarily the right fit for me and and so i was kind of toying around in in the kind of art and design space still as well and and then i think i i just heard people talking about oh punks are are becoming valuable and then i i thought oh i, I have some of those i'm gonna i'm gonna look into that and then started just thinking more deeply about about nfts and and, and really acquiring the thesis that like, oh, wow, this is actually how crypto goes mainstream. We always thought it was going to be DeFi and, and finance, but, but there's just not enough people in the world that, that care about these like weird derivatives and, and, and weird tokens that, that we all find so interesting. But people really, really care about culture. And, and if you kind of add these crypto economic feedback loops to culture, you, you get something that's just insanely powerful. And, and I, I think after I understood that, I just very, very quickly developed that thesis and, and, and conviction around that thesis. Uh, and then I, I basically went from zero to spending $1.2 million on, on 4156 just in, in a matter of, of a few weeks or a month. And, and then I, I kind of had, had this idea that, oh, maybe you could actually build a business or a brand around one of these punks. And, and maybe that would be an interesting thing to do. So that, that was part of the impetus for, for doing it. Hmm. Yeah, that's brilliant. It, what was the thinking behind wanting to build a brand? Like you could have sat back, just been a somewhat anonymous collector. Just w what's the grand vision there on the brand side? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like making stuff and I, I thought it would be fun to, to make stuff as the punk. So the, like the, the initial idea was that it, it would be this kind of very silly 4156 would be this silly artist and, and only make, make artwork about bananas and pieces about mon monkeys and, and kind of goofy things like that. But I think what once I went deeper into the community and, and realized kind of how, how interesting it was, how much opportunity there was, and, and also that there was probably more of a need for for a, a collector and a curator than there, there was for, for another artist. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I, I don't think I was kind of operating on, on the art side of, at the level that, that a lot of the people I discovered were. I thought, well, may, maybe the thing to do here is, is actually collect a lot of this work rather than, than produce my own. Right. And, and when you started collecting, 
what were your when you develop a thesis around how to deploy capital into into NFTs? Like, what what check boxes do you personally have to have? I mean, obviously, the most important one, at least for me, is you know I have to love it because if I love it, at the end of the day, if it gets chopped in a quarter or whatever, the prices go up and down and fluctuate. Of course, they will. I don't care because it's something I love and I want to hold for the long term. I'm assuming it's the same with you. Is that correct? And then what other what other would you say is on your list of things that you must see to want to own and collect something? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, when I first started out, it was it was really just kind of going with my gut. You know, I, I was buying the Beeple stuff because I thought that this this person's going to blow up and become this this kind of like internationally famous artist as, as a function of, of being one of the first uh, people to be recognized by the movement. And then I, I would say from there, my, my tastes maybe got got a bit more sophisticated, and then then I very quickly gravitated towards towards X copy. But I think as someone who who has always been kind of in tune with things aesthetically, and then also very deeply into finance, it it just felt kind of natural. Like it 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 was. I mean, I don't want to say it was easy, but it, it's kind of very clear to me where most of the value in the space will accrue. Uh, and, and I think, I think in a lot of cases, those, the places where the value will accrue was, was kind of like aligned with my aesthetic case. So I, I just kind of going with my gut, but buying things that I liked and, and also things that, that seemed like they would be historically important and, and accrue value. I think the reasons that these things might accrue value are, are fairly subtle and, and you can only at this point, kind of have a thesis about it, but not really know for sure. What is your thesis then? I mean, I mean, historically important, I get that. You can look back at old X copies and I'm, you and I are completely aligned on X copy. Like, I think he is the Banksy of the NFT world in, in some sense. I know they're, they're not the same, but they also have like a little bit of a, a slant that is, can get, it's not, not, political but he ha- he has a, a mood about his his work what else is there outside of historically important is it is there are other things that you think can accrue value what what attributes yeah i mean i i think crypto native is probably the most important and and when, when like m- most of my collecting has been focused on x copy and punks for that reason that they feel like the the bodies of work that are the most crypto native that that really start to explore the forum and comment on the forum very very early on in in the history of the space right so it like it, it's important that something is early and historically important but if it's not if it's not good or it's not interesting i i don't think that works. I think, I think you need this kind of combination of, of culturally relevant and interesting and historically important. And, and I think punks and X copy are, are like the two collections that kind of tick those boxes the, the best. Yeah. Agreed. What are your thoughts on other movements like the generative art movement, early art blocks pieces, autoglyphs? Like, do, is that something that, that you would put in that same box or no? I mean, I, I think they look nice aesthetically. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about them and, and there may be a lot of value there, but I, I haven't spent enough time thinking about them and, and looking at them to, to really have a thesis. Do you think generative art is, is kind of here to stay? Is it a, is it a something where we're going to see this appearing on other platforms? I mean, you've got, obviously, I'd love to talk about the, the nouns project as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think punks are, are generative art and, and I, I, I've said this. Uh, before on, on, on another podcast that punks are in a sense like the, the citizen cane of, of, of that form, right? That, that 
Larva Labs actually not only invented CryptoPunks, but they actually invented a genre at the same time and kind of defined the rules of, of that genre. And, and so the punks and, and these kind of avatar projects or PFP projects where these collections are, are like generating not only art, but, but kind of communities and personas simultaneously. Like I, that seems like a very, very interesting kind of in, in, intersection of a bunch of different trends and, and a bunch of things that, that are important, you know, on the, on the side of generative things that you would hang on, hang on the wall or, or put in a virtual gallery or, or maybe even think about like generative art as, as some, some kind of fitness function where you're, you're trying to create like the most aesthetically interesting or, or important object that then gets kind of valued and used as programmable collateral in a smart contract. So, so it's like a, it's almost like Bitcoin mining, but it's Bitcoin mining for the thing that's like the most aesthetically interesting. I mean, I, I think all of that is is super cool and interesting. I, I just, I don't personally have a thesis around like which, which ones will be important and which ones will be valuable. Yeah. That makes sense. On the PFP side, I mean, is is it just like you mentioned the communities forming around a lot, largely the PFP projects? Like, do you do you feel that sustainable? Like, what are your thoughts on? I, I just I, I scratch my head and I'm trying to unpack it still and figure out. Okay, is this something where communities are just forming, getting together? They get very very excited. They love their their profile picture, and then potentially. You know, some of them stick around for the long term, but then others are like, you know what? I'm going to change my profile picture. It's been six months. I'm going to move on to the next. And I worry that we're just seeing this whole just 10,000 after 10,000 after 10,000 projects launch, I mean, daily. So it just, this can't be sustainable. Like, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Is that something you think about? Yeah. I mean, I think I have a few thoughts on that. You know, one thought is that in the context of these PFPs, like the, the, the reflexivity probably works both ways in the sense that like people want to be this thing because it, it, it's cool and, and it, it, it is valuable and, and it, it shows a certain uh, kind of taste and, and maybe even a, a certain kind of prowess at financial speculation, right? Like it's interesting that you're an alien punk because that thing is worth whatever, like 10 or $20 million. And, and you, you were smart enough to acquire it and understand it before any, anybody else did. But it could be the case that the reflexivity actually works in both ways, right? Like it, it could be the case that, that in, in some kind of like horrible bear market owning and, and like representing yourself as a crypto punk or a board ape or, or whatever it might be is, is actually like a, a sign of, of bag holding. <laughs> and in that sense, you, you could imagine that, that people won't, won't want to show the, the history of what they did in, in those contexts. Mm. That said, I mean, I, I don't think we're there yet. I, I mean, I, I think that what is, is incredible about the, the form is just how, how, how many different communities it can create. How many communities I think that, that there are out there that, uh, want to engage in this sort of thing. And, and essentially when, when one collection kind of blows up and, and locks out a whole bunch of people because it's expensive now, but there's this impetus for it to, to just kind of like for, for a new collection to be created and then a, a whole community to form around, around that collection. And, and I think like if, if you really think about the, the, the PFP as like the new gallery space or like the thing that we look at the most, and, and I've said this before, but like if you think about like how much time did you spend already today on Twitter, like looking at people's PFPs versus how much time did you spend scrolling through super rare or, or like looking at art blocks? The answer in most cases is you've spent a lot more time l- looking at, at people's profile pictures. And, and not only have you spent more time looking at it, but like people feel that, that 
those things are a representation of them and, and are a lot closer to them than, than the picture that they hang on their wall. And, and so in that sense, it, it seems to me like there's just going to be an awful lot of demand for, for a long time within this, within this new form and, and that there's tons of room for experimentation. That's interesting. So I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that one of the things that was so eye opening to me was when the board ape yacht club launched. I remember thinking, okay, I'm not aesthetically drawn to these things, but I want to understand this community because I see a movement going on here. I then jumped into a clubhouse hangout where there was several hundred of people that, that were collecting them. And this is when they were still really reasonable. And it was clear to me that the conversation was like, I'm priced out of punks. This is my new punks. We're, we're creating something new together. And it was just, it was, it was a way to participate for the people that missed the first round, which I thought was, was really powerful. But then to see just how they've executed in terms of, derivative works and keeping the the product alive. So it's not about just stamping out 10,000 and being done and forgetting about it. Not to say that Larva Labs have done that because they've done an awful lot since things have kind of revamped here, but it, it, it feels like these things have to be, to be successful long-term, they have to be kind of ongoing conversations, ongoing story development, ongoing everything to maintain and grow those communities. And I see that eventually translating over to movies and to physical merchandise and to a whole slew of different arenas, both online and off. Is is that kind of do you do you feel, get the same gut feeling on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's going to happen. I'm not necessarily sure that that will be correlated with a financial upside or like longevity or or kind of historical importance in the long run. I, I think that remains to be seen. Like I, I was, I was chatting with someone on Twitter around this question of, of Larva Labs kind of like signing with, with, was it CSA or one, one of these Hollywood agencies? And, and is that, is that helpful or is that detrimental to, to punks in the long run? And I had originally, you know, used the analogy of angry birds. Like you, you're taking this, this historically important, like very kind of precious thing in my mind. And then maybe, I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for them, but certainly it seems like the intent in signing with, with an agency that represents you in Hollywood is, is to kind of merchandise this on some level or, or, or make it into a movie. Uh, and, and so like, are, are you then taking this like very historically precious thing and, and kind of merchandising it like, like Angry Birds? And, and their comment back to me, which I thought was a, a very interesting one was like, well, look, look at something like Star Wars that, that is like this kind of like cultural artifact that is, that is essentially undilutable, right? Like you, you can make like, you can make the movie with Jar Jar Binks in it, but, and it's like, it's absurd and everyone hates it. But, but at the end of the day, like you, you just, no matter how hard you try, even as, as like the creator of that thing, or even as, as the voice for, for that thing, you can't dilute it because people just love it so much. And, and will that be punks in the long run? I don't know, but you know, it, it's an interesting question as to as all of these things that have existed as these kind of like niche communities, these, these punk communities, these bottom up communities, like how, how will they exist after, after that they have movies made about them? What, what does board apes feel like after the movie comes out and the movie bombs? And, and what, what does that mean to, to you as, as an owner of the PFP? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, neither am I. This is a fun one to unpack and see how this plays out long term. I, yeah, I've got I, the one thing I've learned in, in getting to know the Larva Labs folks is that they're very, very cautious and thoughtful. And so 
I have a feeling that whatever they build on top of this platform is going to be in a very measured and 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 respectful way to the IP versus just trying to sell out. These 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 guys in in our conversations, they're they don't need to do that and they don't want to do that. But but they still want to grow the brand, right? Yeah, I'm excited to see how this all plays out. But I you know, I want to talk about your project. So is is nouns can, can you Tell me about how this all got started. How did the Noun Project kick off? Yeah, sure. I've obviously been uh, a fan of and, and I've been, been thinking about CryptoPunks and, and generative PFP projects. And, and I really see Larva Labs as, as having defined the forum. You know, they, they made the Citizen Kane, but they made Citizen Kane three, four years ago. And, and there hadn't really been a lot of like, there, there hasn't been a project that's that's pushed the state of the art since i think there's a lot of people we see experimenting with the form and, and kind of mimicking what they did but uh, i i really started to think about like how could you push this further how could you make it more crypto native how, how could you make it more experimental and, and how could you take some of these other primitives that exist in, in the context of ethereum because the whole thing that's interesting about ethereum is the way that you can you can plug all the pieces together like lego like how how can you take these other pieces that exist and and combine them into something that that pushes pushes this idea even further and 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 so I had been thinking about it. I made a, a very brief kind of tweet storm about this this crazy idea I had, and and then this community being what it is, all of these like amazing super talented people reached out and said, "Hey, I, you know, I will I would try working on this with you." And so we very very quickly went from this this tweet storm to. 10 of us in a discord starting to actually build the project. And, and I don't, it, it's not just 10 random people. It's like 10 of the best, best people in the world at, at what they do. Folks like Gremlin and, and eBoy and, and Dom, like really, really talented people building at the top of their game, working on this together based on a Twitter thread. It was, it was really remarkable. You got together on the Twitter thread. How did you define the project? Was it something where you just jumped on kind of like group voice chats and kind of walk through? what this would be can you can you give me kind of the the white paper version like what was the idea i mean the, the white paper version was was the twitter thread that was 10, 10 tweets long <laughs> we never really spec anything out beyond that i mean until we got into the serious building for those um, that haven't read that yeah. thread what what did you say there exactly i mean you you can look back through it but i, I essentially said like i think it was one one noun every day forever so so that kind of like definition of the form that if it's like CryptoPunks, it's not 10,000 at once. It's, it's an initial supply of zero. And then one of these things is created every day forever. And that, that collectively they control a DAO, which is the recipient, uh, of, of the proceeds when, when the, the nouns themselves, when, when the PFPs get auctioned. So, I mean, I, I think those were, were the kind of the two ingredients and we deviated a little bit on the other stuff, but like those were the, are the two things that I think when you put them together, make the project very interesting. It is very interesting. I, I can't quite wrap my head around it. There's something I'm trying to figure out. I, I've, I've thought about bidding on one a handful of times. And I the reason I pause is just because you have this really slow drip, but unlimited supply, right? Like, but it would take so there's, so there's one per day. So 365 per year that get minted a certain what is it one in 10 go back to the developers or the DAO? How does that work? 
Yeah, that's right. So, so because a hundred percent of, of the noun auction proceeds go into the nouns DAO where those funds are controlled by the nouns themselves, we, we had to think about a way that, that we could both kind of reward ourselves for creating this project and then, then also motivate ourselves to, to you know, motivate the team to continue to work on it until it was mature enough to stand on its own. So every 10th noun is, is, it doesn't go up for auction. It's just minted and sent to the multi-sig that, that is owned collectively by the 10 nounders. And, and that, that will happen for the first five years of the project. After that, the nounders reward, as we call it, will end. And then, you know, the, the project will exist on its own and we will, will slowly get diluted, of course, as new nouns are, are minted every day thereafter. Right. When someone collects, so do you have a discord that you have to be a member of? Like there's 27 or 26 nouns out there as of today. The 27th is up for auction. When someone receives and wins a noun and they actually have this NFT, what can they do with it at that point? I mean, are there, is a tooling in place for them to participate in the treasury? Is there a private discord? What, what, what happens? So if, if you go to nouns.wtf and, and you click on the DAO link, you can see that there's kind of a, a preliminary UI that we've created around nouns DAO governance. So, so if you own a noun, uh, you can create a proposal or you can vote on existing proposals that, that have been created. And you can see three of the proposals in, in various states there. So what our, our first proposal that, that we created as a DAO to, to use the treasury pr- proposed to, to donate five ETH to six different charities. Uh, and, and that was voted on unanimously and executed. There's a, a 3D nouns generator, which, which attempts to, to kind of build the, the Mebits equivalent of, of nouns, of the voxel version of, of, of the nouns mm. as, as a community funded and, and generated project. And you can see that proposal was approved. And, and now there's currently uh, a proposal that, that is about to go live for something called nouns party, which, which proposes to be like a nouns native party bid where, where people can, can bid on fractions of a noun in, in a way that I guess is, is like a little bit more useful for the community because we were having problems with, with like the, the basic version of party bid. Right. Very cool. How did you determine the different attributes that come together? When I take a look at these nouns, they all look so funky and so different. How was that built? Yeah, I mean, that, that was so eBoy and Gremlin and Timpers and I iterated on, on the artwork for, I would say about a month, a month and a half. We, we started out just kind of uh, doing these, these funny pixel art drawings and, and kind of co- collaborative, collaboratively arrived at, at the, the look that, that the nouns have today, that, that kind of distinct, the distinct eyes and glasses and, and that, that kind of goofy feeling that they have. And, and from there, we just started drawing lots and lots and lots of nouns. I think. We, we probably drew over, over 300 of them and it ended up kind of trimming it back to about 250 of the best ones for, for the collection. So, I mean, there's, there's aesthetic considerations there, like what's fun, what's interesting, which colors look good together. But, but then there, there was, I think, a, a more explicit choice that we made that, that the nouns, we wouldn't really emphasize or, or create any kind of attribute specific rarity, right? So like ev- every noun is kind of equally as rare as every other noun by the numbers. Now, aesthetically or by coherence, some of them might be more, more unique than others. But, but I think the idea is that the, and, and I think punks have kind of validated this to an extent that, that like the real distinction um, is between being in the community and outside of the community. And that once you're in the community, there's not really so much of a need to, to kind of have competition or hierarchy within the community, especially in the, in the context of, of like a community trying to govern together and trying to be important, right? Like could, uh, imagine a scenario where, where you kind of emphasize things the other way, right? You made, you made a CryptoPunks like collection and, and the aliens had 10 times the voting power 
of, of the apes right. and the apes had 10, 10 times the voting power of, of the humans. It, it just wouldn't be very interesting and, and it, it wouldn't feel collaborative. So we were really trying to, to emphasize be, being, you, you're a noun or you're not a noun. It, it, it matters less kind of which, which noun you are. Yeah. I could, I could imagine the only attribute then eventually that many years from now might be collectible is the earlier in the count number. Some people might attribute some of that to like, I, I met with the guy, I chatted with the guy that bought the first noun and like that for that, for him, that was very, very important. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think that's one of the interesting things about the project. Like, I, I think to me, like the, one of the, the most interesting things about it is, is the way that you can kind of have all of these different games being played simultaneously and that these games might kind of feed back into each other. Right. So, so like there, there's the noun as the, the aesthetic thing, right? Like, do, do you identify more with, with the jellyfish or the ketchup bottle or the taxi? Which, which noun are you? And then there's the noun as, as noun as vote within the nouns DAO, right? Like how, how much kind of political capital do you have as a function of how many nouns you own? But then there's also the, the, the noun ID. And, and in a sense, you can think about the noun ID as, as like maybe the, the most variable of the attributes. I think like, like you were just highlighting that in, in the absence of, of other kinds of, of trait rarity, the, the timestamp actually becomes like the most important or, or the most significant trait. And I think what this does, like, I, I think this is an interesting model that, that I'm not sure if we invented, but I think certainly like more projects could use because I think when you pair that with the, the inflationary model, you kind of get two things at once. You get an opportunity over time for more and more people to join the project, right? It's not like there's 10,000 and, and you, you got to acquire a hundred of them as a function of being there first. The collection continues to produce new opportunities forever through, through every crypto, crypto epoch, but there's still something special about having been there first and you get to kind of wear that as a badge forever in that thing that you own. So, mm -hmm. so the timestamp is like a way of rewarding early participants in the context of a collection that, that has no limit. Hmm. Yeah. This is it's crazy to wrap your head around. So I'm curious, the one thing I, I, in looking at the model that you all have built for this, the only challenge I would see is, well, one thing that you've lost control over, you have no control over is who's buying these, right? So when they're going for such high ETH, in some sense, you're, you're kind of selecting for high net worth individuals to own these things. Is, how do you think about that? And, and, and how do you, is that a problem you want to solve for? Or do you, or do you think that's just a function of time and as uh, because it is a, an inflationary model that eventually it, it prices will fall down to where the average consumer can can buy one. But I, I can't say that ever been the case if it's a popular project, right? Because there's just going to be way too much demand. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think it's it's an asset and a liability. I mean, I, I think it's it's certainly it's it's part of the experiment and, and something that we intentionally designed and, and thought about. But it, it's also it's, it's simultaneously unfortunate in the sense that it would be it would be cool if everybody could have one. But I mean, if, if you think about the alternatives, I guess it, you, you kind of land in a place where, where this is like the optimal way of doing things and, and allow a democratization to happen maybe like on, on, the, on the second layer, right? Or whether that's fractionalization or sub DAOs forming or, or other, other mechanisms that let people participate in the ecosystem that ends up being kind of like the, the optimal way to do things. So like you, you, you essentially have a choice between producing a lot of something and diluting the supply or producing a finite number of things at a specific moment in history 
and and kind of having having a set of participants who are are in that project purely as a function of of like being around at the time which which is is another form of unfairness right it's like it, that's a form of unfairness to everyone who comes after but you can imagine in the context of punks it's like what did you do that was special to get a punk like nothing you you just happened to be at your computer sometime four right. years ago when when this thing went down like why does that why does that kind of uh, allow you to make five million dollars or whatever from 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 owning this thing like you're you're not really any any more special than than anyone else in that context you were just in the right place at the right time so that, that's that's like another form of 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 an unequal distribution and and so like the, the only thing that's that's like the thing that's the least unfair is the is the existing distribution of eth even though obviously that it, that is also itself kind of very skewed and very unfair but it, it's the least unfair thing that we have and, and so controlling the supply so that this can be inflationary and, and letting the supply drip out over time, over, over, you know, a very long period of time so that people over time have an equal opportunity to access the project and then letting them sell by auction so that, so that the, the, the least unfair distribution, which is the distribution of ETH is, is the determinant of, of whether you can, can get into the project. But that's essentially like the best thing that, that we have. It's the best way of doing things. Mm. Uh, and, and so that, that's kind of how we were thinking about it. And then after that, it's like, okay, well, now what can we build on, on the next layer up to, to kind of democratize access to, to the project and, and let different kinds of participants get into the project? So, so what you're saying there is like, that's more on the fractionalization side? Yeah. I mean, I think there's lots of different ways to participate. I, I think maybe one of, of the interesting things about the project is, is that like it, it, it starts to think a little bit more fluidly about participation that participation doesn't necessarily mean owning a whole noun. It, it might mean having a noun vote delegated to you and, and representing that noun or owning a fraction of a noun or, or even just being, being a consultant to, to the project, right? In the sense, there's a very large treasury that is available and, and, uh, we've actually already seen very, very quickly, which is shocking, two full-time teams spin up that are, that are just like planning to build stuff for the nouns ecosystem. And, mm-hmm. and so as a function of, of this large treasury that's accrued, there's now another way to participate in the project, which which is to build stuff for nouns. So I, I think in, in the long run, there, there will be lots and lots of ways to participate that, that don't necessarily entail owning a whole noun. That's just kind of a holdover that we have from being used to, to collecting other things. Right. One of the hot trends right now or trends in, in just in, in this whole world is these derivative kind of projects are airdropped to the original holders. So like with the, the Kennel Club that came after the, the apes. I'm, I'm curious, do you see that as something where, I mean, right now you're doing one per 24 hours. Is it something where you could have a sub noun type group where you decide to up the cadence of these these new smaller nouns that are minting a dozen a day or to allow more participation in through other channels that are also connected to the primary noun? Or am I just crazy for saying that? No, no, I, absolutely. Like this idea of nounlets or, or nano nouns or something right. like that, we, you know, we've absolutely talked about. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't think that's something that has to come from us as, as the project creators or, or even necessarily like have the provenance of, of the nouns, DAO nouns, which are minted every day by, by the DAO. Th- this is something that somebody in the community could pick up on and just say, Hey, look, this, this noun auction ending every day or, or this, this, there's this kind of like thing that happens on the blockchain, which has, has a cadence of once a day. 
that we can hook into. And, and that, that's like, there's this kind of like callback that, that is this cultural event that is the auction of the noun. And we can like hook a bunch of other nounish things into that event and, and grow the community. It's important to mention that, that all of the artwork for the project is in the public domain. Mm-hmm. Um, which this is in contrast, I think, to, to a lot of other projects that have come before. And, and because it's in the public domain, it's, it's not, we're not saying that like we, we don't have the rights to, to, to or commercial rights to the noun and the owner has the commercial rights to the noun. No, it's that like actually nobody has the commercial rights to the noun. And, and just like open source code, these are open source assets that anybody can build on and, and hook into. So, so the artwork is, is just as open as, as the code if anybody wants to make namlets or, or nano nouns or, or otherwise kind of hook into the project and, and attempt to democratize it by essentially in, inflating peripheral money supply, right? Like inflating an associated money supply. It's like a money supply with, with a different provenance. Hmm. And, and how do you think about the logistics around treasury management? Like this is the one thing when I saw this project, I thought, Oh man, this is this has got to be complex. Like, if you, if you think of this treasury is getting serious, right? I mean, it's and it's only going to have more assets over time. What do you do? How do you how do you manage that? You know, at Flamingo, we have an LLC set up, and there's there's everything. Everyone gets issued K ones, and all this beautiful stuff just happens because you have the open law behind the scenes powering everything, and and really doing all the very important work to make sure that we're compliant. Like, how, how does that happen in this universe? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, th- this is something that, that we're now exploring as, as the, the Nounders group. We're, we're, we're in the process of, of seeking counsel and, and, and representation for, for ourselves and, and for the Nouns DAO as a whole. I mean, the, the complex part of that is going to be that, that at the end of the day, that can only be a proposal to, to the DAO, uh, and, and that the DAO will have to accept you know, the, the, the advice that, that we, we try to bring to it. Or, or, I mean, of course, it's open to other DAO members to, to, to try to bring those same assets or, or bring those same logistics to the DAO. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's the question around kind of how does this organization interface with the real world? And to the extent that there's a very large treasury there and, and there's the will for it to be compliant, I think it will be compliant and, and we'll make it work. And I think there are like strong incentives for that to be the case, because obviously the, the, the upside of what this is, is, is so much greater if it exists in a way that, that plays by all of the rules. So I, I think that will sort itself out naturally. I think the more difficult question and maybe like the most existential question for the project is what, what is the right thing to do with that amount of capital? Mm. If, if this thing is making a million dollars a day and, and there's no, no end in sight, like that, that is a huge, huge amount of capital that can be allocated into things that, that do good or are useful. Uh, and, and the question of what is the right thing to, to allocate to, I, I think that's the most important question that we have to answer. And, and really like the, the thing I spend most of my time now thinking about. And, and I think as a group, the, the thing that we should be spending most of our time thinking about the, the, the danger is, is that in, in this bull market scenario, the, the, the treasury uh, accumulates all this capital, but then the, the markets turn and, and people are less interested in, in NFTs. And, and as a group, the nouns decide, well, okay, let's, let's just refund ourselves all of the ETH. We, we can, we can keep the, keep the PFPs. Maybe those will have value. And so like there's some kind of like perverse economic incentive in the long run that, that overrides the, the economic incentive of economies of scale and, and the, the group decides to kind of un- undo things. I think that to me, that would be like the worst case scenario and, and the thing that we should think about trying to avoid because 
if we can coordinate around the treasury, I think it could just be such a powerful mechanism and a, and a powerful organization for both doing interesting things and good things and, and really helping the crypto ecosystem. Yeah. What an awesome experiment though, right? <laughs> in, some, in some sense, it's like you have no clue what's going to happen. It could go any number of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, I, I think that's that's really the trade-off in the space. You you can either build something that is very, very opinionated, right? And and says like, I'm a game, this is how you play me. Or you can build something that is very, very open and, and says, I'm a primitive and build whatever you want on me. And and you can't you can't really have it both ways. If if you if you build the opinionated thing, it, it's not really an experiment and, and the, the outcomes I think are are kind of uh, much more constrained, and and if if you build the you build the primitive, it might completely crash and burn. But on the other hand, who knows what kind of amazing things might happen? I, I think nouns probably sit somewhere in the middle, where it's yeah. like well, it's a little bit opinionated in the sense that you have these nouns, you have these characters, you have this very specific cadence, and you have the treasury. But but I think the question is like, how opinionated do we want to be beyond that? Do we, as as the group that kind of kicked off the project, do we want to say like, okay, this is what the treasury is for? Because I think in some sense that that mitigates the scenario where uh, where we don't find something interesting to do with the treasury and the treasury is returned. If we say, okay, look, this treasury is for doing X, then we'll spend the treasury on that. Uh, presumably, as, as long as the other nouns go along. But on the other hand, if we do that, then that, that's that's just like five or 10 people's opinion around what we should do with all this capital. And we don't get to run all of the crazy experiments that we might otherwise. So I, to me, that there's this very fine line that, that we need to be walking, I guess, around the treasury at the moment, which is like not to go too crazy with it, but not to mm-hmm. be too constrained with it either. It sounds like a great idea in that in some sense, you just want to go and spin up a bunch of little things and kind of just play, right? Just kind of creatively see what what works. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think at the moment, the way I think about it personally, at least, is it, it, it's essentially like a, a no-strings-attached fund for experimenting with the nouns ecosystem itself. But I think that maybe later on, there's all kinds of interesting things that we'll be able to do, maybe around public goods or, or climate change or, or building interesting infrastructure on Ethereum. But I think to start, what we have at the moment is just so basic that the thing to be using the treasury for is is essentially funding infrastructure around the project and, and funding the proliferation of nouns. Because even though for us, like for all of us in the community, it, it feels to us within the community like everybody knows what a crypto punk is or everybody's familiar with all of this stuff. But, but really, it's it's probably less than 1% of the world at this point. And, and to the extent that we have a very large base of, of capital, a large pool of capital that we can use to proliferate nouns and to kind of educate the world around how, how interesting and wacky and cool and, and fun this is, I mean, I, I think we should do that. And I think there's lots of upside in doing that. Yeah. Well, this is an awesome project. Congratulations on the launch and all the success so far. It's it's really, really fun to 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 just be an observer. I hope to it's funny at the first like ten or so I was like, okay, prices will calm down. I'll get in at some point. And then every day I'm like, God damn it, like I, I can not buy in at all. These prices are just continuing to go crazy. But yeah, well, I'm I'm very excited to see what y'all build. Um, uh, curious around some of these more open-ended projects. I mean, had, did you participate? You mentioned Dom and I, and I know the loot project. Is that something that you helped with at all or, or no? No, I, I, I didn't work on loot. I, 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 I aped into, to loot when, when Dom shared it on, on Twitter. Cause I mean, I think it, it's very clear that, that Dom is, is one of the great builders of, of, of this whole movement and, and 
for the most part, anything Dom creates, I think is, is going to be very, very interesting on some level. And, and of course, he's absolutely fascinating person to work with. Yeah. I mean, I, I bought some loot. I, I, I have trouble seeing maybe some of the very, very long term upside in loot in the sense that I, I don't necessarily see within loot, uh, a crypto economic feedback loop that causes it to proliferate. Uh, and, and I, I think in the very long run, those things are, are very important. That said, I mean, the, the, the level of, of engagement and community building that's happened around that project has, has just been incredible. And, and so it could be the case that, that there are just enough people who, who are interested in the project that, that things kind of continue in the long run to get, to get built on top of it. Yeah, and for people that don't know what we're talking about, Loot is essentially a project that uh, launched these NFTs that were, it wasn't so much about the the NFT itself and in, in that the graphical image of it, but more in the attributes. So you can think of like old school pen and paper D&D or any of these types of role-playing games where you had like chainmail or different types of swords and different types of armor and boots and you name it. All these things were being defined and stored as NFTs and then the thinking was that eventually around all of this, you would own those NFTs. And as part of owning that NFT, you would own those different items. And then community would eventually extend that whole project and build out a, a full functioning game. At least that's what people have been chatting about. Do you, do you think it'll make it to the state of game? Or is this kind of like, it, it seems like there's, there's so many people working on this. It'll be a really interesting experiment to see if they can actually pull something off that's cohesive and feels like something that's worth playing. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's very, very difficult to know how things are going to transition or translate a, across crypto epochs, right? Like if, if you look back at, at crypto kitties, it's like that, that was, that was like a form that, that was like a very specific to the era in which it was created. And, and loot is, is probably that. And now, now's maybe that as well. So I, I, one of the reasons I'm very, very interested in, in these kind of inflationary economics for these NFT projects is that I think that they, they try to anticipate what might happen with adoption, right? And, and in that sense, even nouns doesn't go far enough. I think there's probably room for something that is, is exponentially inflationary or, or kind of inflationary at the same rate that adoption happens. And maybe there are these kind of crypto economic mechanisms that can be used to, to kind of control inflation in that way. And, and maybe they end up looking a bit more like a stable coin. But, but when you look at something like loot, I mean, the, the thing that I'm left wondering is like 7,000 people owning loot, like in, in the long term, are there people that want to build games for, for communities of seven or 8,000 people? I suppose it's probably less to the extent that, that some people own many, many, you know, pieces of loot. And, and so. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think it's super interesting and, and it, it may well be like a, this kind of historic collectible and this historic moment and this kind of uh, historic niche community. But I, to the extent that we're interested in things that, that will be adopted by millions and millions of people as crypto goes mainstream, which I think it, it is in the process of going mainstream via NFTs. And it's interesting to think about like, what, what do these money supplies need to look like to, to foster long-term adoption? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in some sense, you're right. For seven or eight thousand people, it just totally doesn't make sense. But you could say, okay, as the holder of this NFT with these attributes, I can now lock this up and fractionalize it to hundreds of thousands of people that can then participate and have these attributes to spawn up a kind of almost like a clan underneath my particular 
main NFT holding. I don't know. There's a bunch of ways yeah, to that's right. it. That would be the same same argument as Nouns, right? It's right. like, well, there's only 27 people, but Noun 11 is is owned by 100 different people, and, and SharkDAO, which owns three Nouns, is kind of controlled by three or 400 people. So yeah, you, there, there may be opportunities to kind of fractionalize things. But this is kind of a consideration with Nouns as well, which is that that fractionalization, I don't know if you would call it rent seeking, but it, it definitely still favors having arrived at a specific moment in time, right? Like, why did you get loot? Or, or why did I get loot? Like, we happened to be on Twitter when, when Dom tweeted out this thing. And three hours later, it was gone. And, and so it's, it's not even the case that owning loot is, was a function of, of being in, in crypto or, or being part of this movement. It was literally a function of like, were you available during that three hour window? And, does that kind of entitle you in the long run to be able to to fractionalize and, and sell this thing for, for lots of other people? I mean, may, maybe it, that's the case that, that it is. And, and that's like a, a completely uh, valid model of, of distribution. But it seems to me that like within the context of crypto economics, there must be much better models for distribution that, that end up being more fair across time, not just across pools of capital. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh great point and certainly something a lot of these different projects like art blocks and others are, are running into where it's people just slugging it out with with gas to, to try and own something there has to be a better model well this has been awesome one thing i did want to cover before um we bounce is i would love to know you're so kind of prescient at, at identifying a very early interesting things are there any projects or just other up and coming artists or anything that you're kind of eyeing right now trends that you think, uh, huh, this is something I, I kind of want to, you know, follow and pay attention to. And it's, it's, but it's early days. What are you seeing out there as someone that, that has an eye for this stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that, that I necessarily need to kind of contribute any more fuel to the, to the fire that, that is going to burn here. But I think these fractionalized memes are, are going to blow people's minds. So like, the, the fractionalized Doge meme, when, when it, when it attains values, value, it probably in, in the billions. And, and I think, I guess, Pleaser Dow that, that owns it, that, that they have this like completely crazy windfall from, from having purchased this thing. I, I think this is going to completely blow people away. You, you have out there Dogecoin, which you can think of on some level as, as a fractionalized meme, but it's, it's, it's kind of like a fractionalized meme without provenance. And, and it trades at what's the valuation of Dogecoin? I don't know, like 30 billion, 50 billion, right. something, something absolutely wild. And then you actually have the, the quote unquote original picture of the Doge, which I think was purchased for, I don't know, two or three million dollars. And, and the fractionalized Doge in a sense is the more credible version of, of Dogecoin. I, I think when the market kind of figures this out and, and you actually see some, some of the memes at, attain valuations that, that, that we think about, like the Mona Lisa is worth that or, or some, some kind of like great Renaissance artwork is worth that. And, and all of a sudden the picture of the Doge is worth that. I think people's minds are going to be blown. And, and I think that's probably where the, the next, like the craziest phase of, of the NFT bull market happens is, is around people kind of understanding what kind of valuations can be achieved around these historically important kind of like culturally agreed upon memes. And, and yeah, it's, I, I think, I think that's going to be just wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how big, I mean, I know the market is large. What are the comparables that you look at in like the traditional art market versus where the NFT space is? And I just don't know how much of that could be just speculation and driven by 
I, I, I just, I don't know if it gets outsized. Like, is it something where eventually you say, this is just craziness? This is like, we have NFTs that are worth a half a billion dollars or more. It's like, is that going to be a, a world that exists? Like, I mean, seems, I, I don't know if that's fair market. <laughs> I don't know if that's fair market value, but I, I, I have a fairly strong conviction that, that it will exist at some point. It, it might be a, a kind of temporary bubble on, on, on the way to a very long run, but it, a, a temporary bubble that, that kind of portends like the very, very long term trend that, that these things do eventually become money, right? That like in, in the very long run, we just, we just think about memes and money as, as interchangeable and mm. your, kind of place within within the cultural conversation is 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 just what percentage of of which memes do you own and and that 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 might be some some new form of money but if if, if that's the way things go then like certainly owning five percent or ten percent of of doge or the doge it, i think that that's a that's a very very valuable thing there will be there will be venture capital funds and and hedge funds that that want to participate in that conversation and, and these things could attain just astronomical values I, I think that's very possible yeah that's crazy i i, I need to sit with that for a while <laughs> it's, it's a lot to kind of play through these different scenarios in your head about how that would potentially unfold i'm i just like it, you instantly made me think of like would i ever walk into a bar and like flip a few fractionalized doges over to the bartender for a beer <laughs> like i don't know how to how to wrap my head around how that all plays out the the bull case for something like x copy is that it, it, it is the kind of crypto native version of the same thing, right? That, that at the end of the day, these are all just memes and, and some memes are memes because they were historically important. And then, and then they, they became part of the crypto conversation. And some memes are important because they were, all, they, they originated within the crypto conversation, right? Like this is clearly, clearly money laundering or, or right click save as like that, that these pieces are, are crypto native memes and, and because they're crypto native memes, crypto native people care about them. And so they're, so they're, they're priced in ETH and not dollars. And that makes them even more valuable. I mean, that, that the, the bull case for, for something like X copy. And, and again, I, I always the caveat that like we can talk about this stuff as money and as art. And, and so right now we're talking about it as money. And, and I don't think that's an offensive thing to do. So you, you can talk about a bull case for an X copy. The scenario in which these things become super, super valuable, the punks and the X copy is, is completely related to, to the case where the doge attains a valuation of 500 million or, or a billion dollars. Like you can't really separate these two. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's well. It's, a, it's certainly a fun space, and I guess that's why I'm doing the podcast. I love picking pe brains like uh, yours and others to to kind of figure out where this is going. Awesome. Well, four one five six. Thank you so much for sharing your time and insights and and creating or helping create nouns. Like what a what a very cool experiment that I hope to one day participate in on some level. <laughs> so we'll see how that that unfolds. But yeah, so where where can people people can just find you on Twitter four one five six? You have any other destinations or or uh, sites you'd like to plug? No, not, not at the moment. I mean, ch check out Nouns. The, the Nouns Discord uh, is discord.gg slash nouns. And we, we have a lot of fun in there. It, it's like a very, like the way I think about the Nouns Discord is that like, you know, when you go, go into a Discord and like every single channel has an emoji beside it and, and it's the, this kind of like in, intellectual overload. There, mm -hmm. there are there are no emojis on on the channels in the nouns discord it, it's it's just text-based and and we're talking about interesting things and, and it's a fun place to hang out so well, that's awesome um, that, that's kind of how we're trying to think about the community so yeah you can find me on twitter and, and also uh, hanging out in the nouns community in the nouns discord 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, that is the end of the show. One thing real quick before you jump on to the next podcast. We are a brand new show over here at Proof. So if you like the content and you want us to keep producing more, which of course we will, do us a favor, your favorite podcast platform, head on over there, give us a five-star review. It would be much appreciated. Thanks so much. Thank you.